It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live out at Firehouse Subs in Lexington 109 Old Chapin Road. Another hour to go. Come by and see us. Order yourself a delicious Firehouse Subs. Josh is out here with us. He has tickets to give away for three of the four remaining home games. Clemson's the only one we don't have tickets for, but if you want tickets to Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, or Kentucky, just literally walk up and say, hey, Josh, give me some tickets, and he will literally... He won't. You you have to give him your email address. They're electronic. He doesn't have physical tickets to hand over, but you get the point. So not literally. Like, kind of literally. He will give you the tickets, but through an electronic Until he's transaction. Out. So get up here. Yes. Yeah, so they they they're flying yeah. off the shelves. Order a sub. So you got you got to come quickly. And yes, get a delicious firehouse subs while you're here. I'm here for it. It smells like. We're uh, literally here for it. It smells like bacon, and pepperoni. It's never at a bad. The, at combo. the same time up here. I am ready to dig in, and we're all going to be taking some food home today, too. I know, we're all, like, looking over at the counters <laughs> that are preparing yes. the sandwiches for us. It's one of those times you don't you don't eat breakfast before you come here, because, like, well, I'm going to enjoy some delicious firehouse subs. Absolutely. Looks so like somebody's about to get some tickets a, right ticket now. Ticket now. Ticket right now. That's right. That's the Josh. power of radio. Proud of you, man. Or the fact that he was standing loud in the store voices. listening to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Either way, it works. <laughs> uh, obviously, we listened to uh, Clayton White in, in the first hour react to what he had to say. Dow Loggins spoke yesterday as well, and obviously the offense, you know, we talked about if you score 37 points at home, you should usually win a lot of those games. Unfortunately, that didn't happen this past uh, Saturday, and Dow Loggins was rightfully frustrated with not picking up the victory. Um, one one guy that, that's come along uh, a lot through these first six games of the season, and we talked about it a lot going into the season, was Trey Knox and the tight end position in general. And uh, Coach Loggins spoke a little bit about Trey Knox yesterday and how he's played through the first half of the season. Uh, here's what Coach Loggins had to say. He's really intelligent, um, and he knows the offense as well as anyone. You know, he was with us at, at Arkansas, so he knows a little bit of the stuff we brought from Arkansas. And um, he's just a really bright guy, so he's, he learns fast. So he's a calming presence in the in the huddle. And, you know, he can he go in there and coach the tight ends. That's how sharp he is. He can tell the wideouts where to get lined up. And um, so then all of a sudden you're playing some younger guys, and he's breaking the huddle. And he, there, I, there's been times when he's told Spencer, whoa, 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 whoa. check it the other way. Um, he's just sharp, and so it's a very calming. Um, he has a calming presence for Spencer. He's a guy who knows what to do. He knows how to do it. Um, there's things in his game that he needs to continue to improve, and we're working with on. But he just he's he's smart, tough, and dependable, and that's what you're looking for, and that's what that's what he gives us. And to his credit, I mean, it's 15 catches in two games, and um, he's done a nice job for us. He's a, he's an important part of this offense, and his presence allows us to play some younger guys, just like Rashawn playing next to Tro. It allows Nick and Tyshawn and some of those guys to get out there because when he's on the field with them, he can also help and direct them. And we talk so much about this passing game, and especially where you've been missing Juice Wells for pretty much the entire season, and we may not get him back for the rest of the year at all. A guy like Trey Knox has stepped up tremendously, particularly in these past two games. Dow Loggins mentioned 15 catches over the past two games and right at 100 yards with a touchdown this past weekend against Florida. Trey Knox has been such a great addition to this offense, and we're, again, seeing him evolve and get more and more involved as weeks go by. 
He's had his two best games since he got to Columbia, I think. And you're starting to see him really emerge at least the last two weeks as the second receiver target in this offense. Also, you know, I, I don't know what he graded out as a blocker, but there were a couple of times that my eyes were just um, kind of fixated on Knox uh, moving people in the running game as well. So I, I, it felt like he had a good game in that department as well. Joshua Simon makes a big play, the catch and run, putting his shoulder into a guy and just running him over in what you thought might kind of be the exclamation point of the game for South Carolina, kind of the put-away touchdown. That was not to be. But these tight ends have started to come on. I think that's big. It just gives you another weapon. I think we're starting to see Spencer Rattler kind of focus on Knox a little bit when teams take away Leggett and you know, they're going to need to continue to do that. He's a great third down target for you. It, it seems like they were trying to give him the ball in space a couple times as well, and there were some open field opportunities for him where Florida was able to get him on the ground, or he would have had, I think, an even bigger day. But we, we've seen this offense start to find some balance, I think, and that's you're not just getting the ball to one receiver. You're getting Knox involved, and then obviously you're getting Mario Anderson incredibly involved in the running game as well so that that was to me probably the best we've seen this South Carolina offense look against a legit defense we saw some two tight end looks as well I mean um, offense played 66 snaps Trey Knox is on the field a lot he was on the field for 58 of them but Josh Simon was on the field for 22 so sometimes that's you know I, I, I don't know I don't have it in front of me Wes maybe they didn't have a tight end on the field at times but I think almost every situation they probably did but that all, those numbers also indicate, and the eye test indicates, I mean, they had two tight ends at times. So I, I do think the bye week was good for the offense because they were able to make, you know, we saw the offensive line tweaks. We saw them tweak some other things with, you know, more gap scheme runs. They were looking at personnel usage, you know, who do we need to get more involved? And, you know, you look at these, the receiver numbers, generally the same guys. Nick Harper played 28 snaps, so he played more than he has been. But also, it seems like there was maybe a little bit more of a concerted effort to, hey, let's find a way to get Trey Knox and Josh Summon involved. This is a couple guys that have talent, and they obviously have a lot of college football experience as well. So if you're looking for some guys to pick up some extra targets, makes a lot of sense to try to go more in that direction. Concerted effort, I thought, to get Juju McDowell in mm -hmm. space and use him. They used him, I think, the best we've seen in a couple of years, honestly. And... You know, it seemed to me, I think, Chris, they slid Tyshawn Russell, from what I could tell, into the slot, which we've actually seen him play outside. He was playing a, a good mid more in that slot role. Um, you know, so I, I think for them, there were definitely changes during the bye week. And that, that, again, probably speaks back to the frustration for South Carolina fans that you had a lot of things going your way in this game. You had the offensive performance you needed. You had the lead. And, uh, you know, you had a running game, you had the passing game. You expect to win those games at home. And I, I thought Mario Anderson had his best game as well. Like, he has really started to get comfortable. He's running through people. He's making people miss. He's making good decisions, I think. He's not having those little plays where he kind of gets tripped up like we saw against Mississippi State. He has started to build confidence, I, I think. And a little tease to our buyer's sale for tomorrow, you kind of have a really cool battle on opposite sides of D2 transfer backs, yeah. um, both guys who have been walk-ons at various points in their career in Missouri's Cody Schrader 
versus South Carolina's Mario Anderson. Uh, quickly, you guys are talking about uh, the tight ends and their blocking, especially when it comes to gap schemes. Uh, both Josh Simon as well as Trey Knox graded out right about 60, which, you know, there's still some room for improvement there, but it's pretty in par with uh, just about how everybody else is grading out on those run blocks on Saturday. So pretty good overall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those guys have continued to, to come along. And, I mean, you don't hear as much, you know, listening to Beamer, listening to Dowell Loggins. You know, you remember early in the season with a lot of the blocking issues, sometimes it was looped into, hey, our, our tight ends missed some blocks. You, you feel like you hear less of that. And so I feel like, you know, as Loggins said, Knox knows this offense. He, he's he been with Loggins. He's a, he's a smart guy. He knows some of the Arkansas-based elements that they have brought into this offense. And so it appears that they're getting kind of more and more comfortable. By the way, Mario Anderson note, I want to make sure we threw this in. Because I've gotten this question a lot lately, a lot of people have been asking if he has another year of eligibility. He's listed as a redshirt senior on on his official bio. He does have another year, I've verified. So just to let everybody know, if you like what you've seen from Mario Anderson, you may get another year of it. Well, I think he very quickly has become (laughs) a guy that you're saying, hey, do Need what him. you can yeah. to keep this guy around and, and get him here for another year. I, I do think, as I'm bragging on the tight ends, to be completely fair, I think there was a missed cutoff backside block on the final drive of the game. Uh, I know Beaver didn't say who it was, but I, th- I think that was tight end That room. was mentioned. You're right. You're right. So that was tight end room. But still, there, there were some other blocks from the tight end group that were, I, I thought, really, really good. And so... Um, yeah, they've they've come on. You're just, I think the thing they did during the break is they kind of identified where do we stand with guys, who can we really focus on, and then it it worked. So uh, now can you take it on the road? Yeah, and Elijah and I talked about this yesterday. When you go back to Beamer's injury report from Monday, nothing was mentioned about Juice Wells, and you know seems like maybe you're leaning a little bit more towards not getting him back at all this year. So it comes to the point, and in fact, they had the bye week last week to you know, really focus in on some things like, okay, he's not going to come back. How, or likely not going to come back, how can we focus other areas and expand the passing game? And again, you're seeing guys like Trey Knox step up into more of an expanded role in these past couple of weeks. And that's what we thought we were going to get from Trey Knox to, to start the year. You know, we talked about these tight ends all off season, what they were doing in practice, what they were doing in the spring. Beamer did confirm on the SEC teleconference yesterday that, you know, Juice is, is out again this week uh, for sure. You know, so not questionable, but but definitely out. And so I think you had to say, look, who who can help you win right now? We You know what Leggett can do, but you know teams are going to do everything they can to try to take Leggett away. And so, um, you know, getting Nicholas Harbor involved for a ball down the field, I still think, I've been saying it, I still think Tyshawn Russell is going to continue to come on. And uh, so you do have some weapons on this offense. And I, I think credit to, to Dow Loggins for, for kind of putting it all together while adjusting in the same sentence there. And the, the big thing you kind of are concerned about this week, y'all, is that Vershawn Lee may not be able to play. And it's just another – it's another ki- it's like a kick to the shin, I feel like, for your group that has struggled. You found a combination you liked – and then you get it for two quarters. That's not to say that it was fixed. You know, it could have been that they roll out the same lineup for the next five games and it doesn't go as well. But you saw the changes. Spencer Rattler said after after the game, his post game, like he loved the changes, right? 
he thought they worked. And it allowed them, Dow Loggins said, remember, hey, the reason we were able to make some of these changes to add some more volume and some, some more uh, some different elements to the run game is because of the changes we made, right? Having having a couple guys at guard and Trey Jones and Trey Ball who could move, they felt like they could make those. So the question is, can they continue that? You've been searching so bad for continuity. You made some changes. You feel like you found it, at least for a half, and then you don't. You may not have that capability anymore. So it's it's been one thing after another on the offensive line in terms of the injuries that's really held them back. I want to get to another thing that Dow Loggins talked about yesterday coming up, and he had a really good explanation for this. Dow, Dow Loggins does a very good job of explaining his thought process on a lot of things, and he talked about the last one of the last offensive drives they had on Saturday. So we'll let you listen to what uh, what Dow Loggins had to say about that coming up. Again, we're broadcasting live out at Firehouse Subs here in Lexington, 109 Old Chapin Road. We do have tickets to give away. Shout out to our guy Nelson that claimed some tickets to the uh, Kentucky game a few minutes ago. Literally was standing in the store waiting on his sandwich and came over here and said, hey, Josh, give me some tickets. And guess what? Josh gave some <laughs> tickets. It's literally that simple. Come by and see us broadcasting until noon. Tyler Weston and Chris here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live out of Firehouse Subs in Lexington, 109 Old Chapin Road. Going until noon, as I've said, our guy Josh out here with us has tickets to give away. Literally, all you got to do is walk up and say, hey, Josh, I want tickets to go see South Carolina, Kentucky. And he'll be like, here you go. Or Vanderbilt or Jacksonville State, whatever. Your heart's content. Come up and ask for it. He will hand them over to you. And, of course, you can enjoy some delicious firehouse subs. I just had the brisket and bacon one in the last break. And it, I mean, it's brisket and bacon. You can't really go that's wrong a with cust- that. That's was, a custom, too, Tyler. It was absolutely delicious. Like, yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah, that is an invention. That, Wes, that's actually, I think, a Larry Chandler invention, owner-operator. Uh, one he encouraged. He, he very much encouraged it. Larry, Larry put me on that one. Yeah, that is an outstanding one. Uh, we have an array over here. And uh, shout-out to our guy, Nelson. He came by and right. got himself a sandwich and got some tickets, too. So congrats to him. Um, we were listening to a little bit of Dow Loggins in the last segment. You'll be able to hear from Coach Beamer one more time tonight on Carolina Calls coming up at 6 o'clock ahead of this weekend's game against Missouri. And following that, you have coverage of Thursday night football between the Jaguars and the Saints. Uh, pre-game coverage starting at 7.30 right here on the game. Uh, a little bit more from Dow Loggins. I mentioned this just for the break there. You know, you go back to the end of the game last weekend, a lot of people were very critical of South Carolina's decisions with about four minutes to go when it came to the offense. Of course, gave the ball back to Florida. They went down the score, took the lead, and won the game. Um, Dow Loggins gave a very detailed description of that four-minute offense yesterday. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, it, it was a roll of, like, what is it going to take to win this game? Uh, what was the score at that point? Like 37 to 30, 37-34, chances are they get the ball back and they're scoring points too. So it's not – I think there's a there's three four, there's three different ways to play four-minute. This is how I see four-minute. Um, there's a game where you call your three best runs, regardless of what's happening. There's the one where you call the first play and see what happens. And then there's the, uh, hey, we better call our three best plays. 
And when you're playing a tier one quarterback, uh, you're playing a, an offense that's scoring points. If you don't do that and you punt it back to him and say, hey, go win it, defense. Yeah, it's on y'all. Like, it, y'all go. We did our, we ran our three plays and punted it back. This happened to us in Chicago. We're playing the Lions, tier one quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I think it was very similar. I think it might have been 34 37. And we did, we ran the ball three times, punted it back to Stafford. Stafford, Megatron, go score. Minute 14, they win the game, beat us for, you know, it was like 38 37 or something like that. And so every game's played differently. And when a team's scoring on you, um, it's complimentary football. It's three phases, and that's why we need to finish that last drive. But it's also, look, we trust number seven. He's our best player. Um, so let's put the ball in his hands. Like the offensive line did a great job. Mario did a great job. But number seven's a guy, and let's let's dance with who brought us. And he he played. He's seen the field well. He was doing some good things. He, that was a super aggressive shot. Super aggressive. Um, but in that at that point, that's what it was. It was like we could run the ball three times, punt it to him, and I could have sat in in the press box and drank a diet coke, saying, "I hope I hope we hold him." But at that point, it, we felt like the best thing to win the game and communicate with Coach Beamer is let's be aggressive and let's see if we can put something together right here and and flip the field and put them back worst case scenario or go try to go try to make this a, a two possession game again. Uh, very good detailed description there from Dow Loggins that I went back and looked. So that uh, 2015 is when he was with the Bears. That was a 37-34 overtime loss to Detroit. Actually, uh, the shock, the Bears got the ball back with about eight minutes to go. Went three and out, punted it back to the Lions, who proceeded to go down the field in the final four minutes of the game, tie it with the field goal, and then win the game in overtime. But uh, you know. It's it's very easy to look at what happened on Saturday and say, well, that was dumb. Why did they, you know, take a shot down the field or whatever? You should have done this, this, and that. But when you hear him describe his thought process, it's a little bit more of, okay, I see what you're going for there. Yeah, I, were people that um, negative about? Uh, there was a fair amount of people that were I, questioning I mean, it. I, I think in some ways, at that point, you're just running your offense. Like, yeah, you're trying to to run some clock out, but. I I don't think you can say run the ball three times, give the ball back to those guys the way, you know, frankly, the way you're playing on defense and the way they're playing on offense. Like the the best case scenario there is that you get a couple first downs and just ice this thing out. And I, I thought one thing Dow Loggins does a phenomenal job of is just giving you some details on the thought process and even kind of going big picture there. Hey, some, some four down or – four-minute situations, yeah, you just – if this has been a defensive battle, and let's say you have a seven-point lead and it's, it's 17 to 10 and you're just like, man, this these two defenses, this has been a defensive just uh, ball game. You may say, hey, run it three times, get as much, make them burn timeouts. We trust where our defense is at right now. And uh, like he said, some of them are kind of in between and some of them you're saying – no, go win this game on offense. And you just saw Florida go down the field and score. He did a good job of expressing that without throwing his defense under the bus as well by saying, look, hey, they got a tier one quarterback. They have a great quarterback. Not saying, hey, our defense has just given up almost 500 yards. So I, I think um, the problem there is just that the execution is that you uh, were not able to get another first down. They did get the one first down off of a rough in the passer penalty but um you're really hoping if anything i would have maybe liked them to be even a little bit more aggressive honestly i didn't have a problem with the decision to run an offense at all you know given exactly what you said i mean <clears throat> you know put it into context the previous drive 
you know, Florida was down 10, and they had just gone 75 yards in 14 plays and, and scored, you know, to pull it within, what, three. I mean, they they converted that fateful fourth down, the fourth and 11. Uh, they converted a fourth and one, and then they scored a touchdown on a second goal from the SC4, right? The one thing I would say, and this is this is a – I don't know. I, I I think maybe it's more of an execution issue is kind of what I'm I'm getting down to. You know, I think maybe in that instance, as Dow, Dowell kind of said, hey, that was a very aggressive shot, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there the nitpick would be if you've got a shot on, let's make sure the ball is not thrown in that in that situation, right? And that's kind of a hindsight thing. Yeah, and I, I think I mean we've seen we've seen Rattler go to progression one, two, three, mm-hmm. four all season long. I, I think the nitpick there is that you throw it into double coverage. I mean, you maybe come underneath. You I don't remember the coverage or what the rest of the route trees even looked like. But and they got um, the roughing the passer on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it didn't it didn't it, end up hurting that you did it did the entire stadium held their breath as yeah. that ball was in the air because you could see that there were two. Florida defenders and one Carolina player, and he was not open at all. And, and the one, you know, the other nitpick, in hindsight, you got the roughing the passer, right, because you passed the ball. But I would say you got, what, five yards on that first down? I think yeah, it was it, so second and five. Maybe you do run the ball again because you got five yards. Yeah, that's a nitpick, right? Yeah. So hindsight. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the strategy of what they did. Yeah, you you scored, you scored thirty seven offensive points in this game. Yeah, by by sort of being balanced and throwing the ball around and running the football and doing all types of different things. So, to me, I I really have trouble finding much fault on on the offensive side. And in one of the runs, you're saying, hey, we're gonna get Leggett the ball, our best player, without sort of the danger of. Uh, of yeah. throwing the ball around, that play had worked earlier in the game. That they've had a lot of success getting him the ball in the backfield, or or kind of on a reverse or jet sweep, uh, the last two seasons. So, I it didn't quite execute it, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and I think, look, you you score that many points, you should win the game. You know, and again, I'll go back to what Logan said. He he kind of said this without saying, hey, we didn't think the defense could get a stop, but obviously. Him communicating with Beamer, him sitting there watching the game. I think everybody knew at that point, man, this thing's kind of turned. to win it on offense. Yeah, we're having a tough time stopping Florida. We don't want to give them the ball back, you know, immediately and have them be able to go down and score. So uh, I agree with the strategy. You'd rather not be in that situation, uh, but but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that was a really good description from uh, from Dow Loggins. Wanted everybody to get a chance to hear that. Uh, coming up. Sam Pittman was asked a very interesting question in regards to recruiting yesterday. I want to let you guys hear what he had to say and get your reactions as well. Again, it's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. We're broadcasting live out at Firehouse Subs, 109 Old Chapin Road. Come by and see us. Uh, going to be here until noon uh, for about another half hour uh, here on the game. You're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. 
Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you out here at the Firehouse Subs in Lexington, 109 Old Chapin Road. Going until noon, I had to stop myself. I was eating the turkey bacon ranch during that last break, and Ruz were coming back and have to slow myself down because it's such a delicious sub. Slow your I roll, Tyler. I can't, I, know, I can't control myself. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. <laughs> Again, we got tickets to give away. Shout out to Luke and his mom that just came by and picked up some tickets for the Kentucky game. Our guy Steve sitting in here enjoying delicious firehouse subs. Got some tickets as well. And again, got plenty more to give away uh, if you can get here in the next 30 minutes. Uh, um, mentioned this before the break. Uh, Sam Pittman in his weekly press conference yesterday was posed an interesting question because Arkansas, I talked about their losing streak earlier, has been away from home for the past month. Mm-hmm. Now, they were listed as the home team against A&M. That game was played in Jerry World. Now, I know neutral site games, you can have some recruits on, uh, they're visiting, mm-hmm. but you're obviously not there to show them your facilities and the campus and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit of a different story. So here is what Sam Pittman had to say about being away from home for a full month when it comes to recruiting. Let's face the facts. In order to keep your girlfriend and you don't see her for five weeks and she's had a chance to see this guy, this guy, this guy, she gonna leave you. I mean, unless you're, you know, you know, whoever Elvis Presley or whoever. And uh, so we've got to get them here. We're trying to get them here, but we got to get back with them and and uh, get around them. But I, I commend our coaching staff and the kids that are staying with us because they're loyal and the belief that they have in the football program. But I, it is hard. It's it's really hard. Now, South Carolina does not have that issue. In fact, they have the four-game homestand to close out the season. <clears throat> but very much you can understand where Sam Pittman's coming from there. I've never heard anybody put it quite like that, like it's trying to hang on to your girlfriend and she's off seeing other guys for the <laughs> month that you're away from home. But, you know, again, for a program like that that we talked about is struggling, when you don't have a home game for a solid month, you risk you run the risk of losing some of those guys. Well, I, I didn't have an Elvis Presley reference on my bingo card for the day's show. But that's very on-brand. Probably should have for Pittman. Yeah. Yeah. For Pittman, I mean, uh, very very well done. That's, that's what he plays in the jukebox. <laughs> so I, I will say this. You're, to continue, maybe this is dangerous. I don't know. To continue his analogy here. Uh-oh. You, uh, y- your girlfriend might be slightly more um, okay with not seeing you when you're off uh you know, doing great things, off being heroic, off winning games. But I think when you have the added side of this, not seeing her. <laughs> all right, I'm I'm done with the analogy. But when you're <laughs> trying to make it work, <laughs> when you're not seeing these prospects in person, but you're also they're seeing man, these guys may not win an SEC game. That is a bad combination for you because we know. How uh, how quickly it can turn. We know how quickly kind of the narrative around your team and the trajectory can turn, and we frankly know how these other SEC schools are going to pounce when they smell blood in the water. So I I think they definitely will benefit from getting those guys, and I'm sure they did everything they could to try and get their committed guys on campus for this game, and it's a game you can win. Arkansas. Uh 20th nationally in the team rankings on three industry team rankings 20th nationally sounds pretty good 11th in the sec just kind of how it is remember that 2007 class south carolina finished i think sixth or seventh nationally and that was fourth in the sec 
What Just Carolina is what? Carolina 19. 19th nationally, I think 10th in the SEC. So. Yep. So they're right there. You know, South Carolina with some room to move up. South Carolina will have a heavy portal class, right? Mm -hmm. Eli Drinkwitz, next opponent. Missouri <clears throat> talked about this and some of their, their 2023 guys that they brought in, like South Carolina. Missouri's had some guys that have been contributing early. And Eli Drinkwitz pointed out, hey, we didn't have the highest ranked recruiting class last year because we brought in some transfer portal guys. They lost some guys off that team. Dominic Lovett, you know, going to play for Georgia. Lost Trajan Jeffcoat, who's now playing for Arkansas. But they brought in some really good players as well from the portal. A couple offensive linemen, some other impact guys for them. God, can y'all imagine if Lovett was in this receiving court too? Like, I mean, it, no. it, it, it is a loaded, like, seriously, Gamecock fans, when you watch this game, watch their offense. Like, yeah, there there's going to be some moments where you're saying, ah, defense, there's another guy open. Watch their receivers, though, man. Like, they have done a fantastic job of recruiting receivers, both from the high school ranks and from the portal ranks. And I think it just shows you what you're up against week in, week out. Like, this is not Alabama. This is not Georgia. Um, this is not LSU. This is Missouri, and they are getting talent like this. So, I mean, it is harder and harder to match up in this league, I think, than ever. And let's go back to what we were talking er about earlier with Jeremy, right, and the notion that, Hey, NIL, yeah, some people are saying I'll participate after you win games. Well, Missouri, they've got a creative state law. They've done a great job of keeping kids in state with the state law, but even before, right, Luther Burden's from Missouri. Uh, Mookie Cooper is a, <clears throat> is a transfer from Ohio State, but originally from St. Louis. Theo Weiss is a transfer. As we know, transfer portal, NIL, quite important for guys like that. So they have kept kids at home, and they've worked the transfer portal, and then they've gone out and made really good evaluations. They've hit on some other guys. But Missouri went 6-7 and seven the past two years. They didn't wait around and say, ah, we'll, we'll see what happens. If, it's, if we win some games, you know, ah, maybe, maybe we'll do some NIL stuff. No, they, they, were forward, they looked forward, kept their eyes forward, started building it up, and they, they've been able to land some guys, keep some guys, and then bring some guys in from the portal as well. And dare I say they're um – using South Carolina's blueprint to, to winning. I mean, yeah. from, from a roster-building standpoint, um, it's it's evaluation plus in-state um, plus using the portal to get impact guys. And, and something that caught my attention yesterday, they are also now trying to steal margins from South Carolina with special teams. I, yeah. like, I really think that teams have looked around and said, man, what, what can we do to try and gain an edge and it's kind of one of those things when you're, when you're not the South Carolina invented being good on special teams, but when you're stealing points, stealing possessions from special teams, when everybody takes notice, this is like in business too, when you're doing something to get a little bit of edge, everybody else says, oh, what are they doing to do that? Yeah. And they start to kind of copy you a little bit. So um, Eric Link, Missouri special teams coordinator, which sounds like a made-up name in NCAA football, <laughs> um, they're, they're being very bold with their special teams' decisions. 
and even running some of the same exact plays as South Carolina yeah. special teams. Well, that was their spark last week. They were down 14 to nothing to Kentucky early in the second quarter, run that fake touch or a fake punt for a touchdown, mm -hmm. and that woke the rest of the team up, and they go on a 38-7 run to close out the game. So, like, again, like, and I know Harrison Evis has missed some of the shorter stuff, but he knocked down the 61-yard field goal against Kansas State to win that game. Like, this is a good special teams unit that, you know, it rarely does South Carolina have, like, a – you know, equality factor with some of the teams they go up against with special teams, but Saturday could be the, uh, just that for them. Yeah, I, I think it's dangerous, man, because we've seen South Carolina kind of feel the effects of losing some guys on special teams. And you may say, Wes, well, they, they got their kicker back. They brought their punter back, their holder, their snapper. However, look at all the other guys and compare it this year to last year, kick coverage, punt coverage, you know, different personnel out there for the most part their gunners are different and i think we've seen that a little bit whether it's the turnover or whether it's just you know kai kroger having a little bit of a, a slump at this point i think you would call it so um they south carolina is going to need to refine their special teams advantage moving forward i think not that their special teams have been bad right that's but more of this, a matter of the expectations yeah, we to the have standard. put on it and that it's a compliment, really, that Pete Limbo has created that standard so far at South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this yesterday a little bit on our podcast, Tyler, with Kai Kroger. Like, it's kind of a victim of your own success thing, right? Like, people – most punters go through a game, you, you might not have a perfect punt every time. Maybe, maybe you shank one. Maybe you have, you're kind of inconsistent. For him, the, the standard that has been set in some people's minds is he's going to go out and play like he did against Clemson every single game. And it's not realistic. Now, does does it need to get better? Does he need to get more consistent? Sure. La last year, guys, when South Carolina special teams was better and more dynamic, Missouri played them even in special teams. And that actually ended up making, I think, a big difference in the game because for the Gamecocks, you were struggling offensively. You had struggles defensively. You needed to be able to find a spark somewhere, and you weren't able to use special teams to your advantage in that game. You might not be as equipped to do it this year, but I, I think now South Carolina is going into this one saying you at least got to play that third of the game even. Absolutely, and we'll continue to break down uh, the Missouri matchup coming up tomorrow. We'll have buy or sell for our usual Football Friday segment and give you the final details as well as our final scores. All that coming up tomorrow. As we close out today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, want to give props to a former Gamecock who had another big accomplishment last night. That's coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs, broadcasting from the Firehouse Subs in Lexington, 109 Old Chapman Road, going until noon here on the game. My teammates, my teammates, we lean on each other so much at this time. We fought through so much adversity throughout the season, and we just kept the mind thing. We kept the main thing, the main thing, and we came out on top. And I, I can't express how proud I am of my teammates. They picked me up when I was down. We pr cried together, prayed together, and now we popping champagne together! All right, welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris out at Firehouse Subs here in Lexington, 109 Old Chapin Road. A couple more minutes to go. Josh had to dip out, but Ebony is still here. If you can come by in the next couple of minutes, she'll get you set up with some tickets to either Jacksonville State, Kentucky, or Vanderbilt. Again, those are the final couple home games coming up here in a couple of weeks. That was the voice of Gamecock legend Asia Wilson last night after the Las Vegas Aces won their second straight 
WNBA Finals, and she was named uh, WNBA Finals MVP. Double-double, uh, 24 points, 16 rebounds, and the legend of Asia Wilson just uh, just continues to grow. Yeah, scored the last uh, basket, too, I believe. Averaged, uh, let's see, 24 points and 11.8 rebounds in the finals and adds, I mean, her trophy case <laughs> is bigger than my house at this point. Like, she has, she has every, she's accomplished everything. There's a statue. I, I don't, I don't know what else you at. They need, they need a new league <laughs> for her to dominate because she has dominated this one. Her team has dominated this one. And, um, yeah, congrats to them. I don't. I mean, she is the face of the WNBA and should have been regular season MVP as well. Elena Coates also, yes, getting herself a ring. So yeah, I mean, Asia Wilson's done it. I mean, what what else can you do? What's your next act? Uh, who knows? Uh, did yeah. y'all see uh, movies? Y'all see, movies. <laughs> hey, maybe so. Hey, transition to Hollywood. Um, did y'all see uh, the video of Dawn at the game last night? Just losing her mind, yeah. getting getting the rare opportunity to be a fan at a basketball game, and she was into it, man. Dawn's had a fun week, man. She was at the <laughs> World Series, throwing out the first pitch, uh, or the the uh, championship series. I mean, throwing out the first pitch and met the Kelseys. Mm -hmm. Is has she met Taylor Swift yet? Don't believe so. Okay. Uh, I think she listens to Taylor Swift. I don't know. I don't know. She, she didn't strike me as the poppy type of person. Uh, uh, courtside for the finals, and uh, she was set, she she tweeted out that she can say whatever she wants to the refs now. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got a feeling Dawn says whatever she wants to the refs anyway. But the yeah, she so, didn't have her piece of paper. This yeah, time, the rolled up paper, roll up paper oh, to and the candy, yeah, candy exactly. Courtside, no, no diet, no diet coke. The I mean, the and the number of her players. You know, we had Zia Cook on last week. Yep number of players from her program that are now fulfilling their dream and are in the WNBA is it's an insane list. But but Asia she uh she she has literally, to use Tyler's word, <laughs> done it all. Do you remember being uh you were there, right? Um at Heathwood when she committed to South Carolina? Yes, I was there. It was loud. It was actually very, very similar to the feeling when Marcus Lattimore committed to South Carolina yes. for football. You just had the feeling that you were seeing some kind of, like, historical Yeah, event. I was, you were seeing greatness. And, that's I, I mean, I that's exactly what it was because, I mean, Asia Wilson was, a, was an early buy-in to what Dawn Staley was doing. And she turned down, I mean, you name I mean, UConn, right? Like, that was the one. And then everybody else to stay home. And, and when that happened, you, you kind of got a sense of the gravity of the moment. And, uh, it'd be cool to see – you know, she she's one of those people who lived up to the hype too. You know, like we talk about we talk about Bryce Harper, you know, LeBron James. Like they get that that's a little bit more to the extreme, but those get sports illustrated covers saying the chosen one and they both live up to those billings. Asia Liv Wilson has lived it, up to the billing. The term generational talent can get thrown around a yeah. little too much sometimes when you talk about the LeBrons, the Bryce Harpers, and I think Asia Wilson joins that conversation too, where they live up to it to a T, not only with their college career, but going to the next level as well. Yeah, people forget what generational talent <laughs> actually means. Uh, like, it, there can't be a generational talent in every class. No. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, I, again, I, I repeat myself again, I don't, I don't know what her, what's her encore, and, but she, she is like, 
she has become a household name that goes beyond her sport. Right. So, I'm I think movies. I think like <laughs> she she probably has the uh, the brand and the market to expand past. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's the got the personality too. Like oh, she's. Yeah. Uh, an outgoing person, you know, very engaging, good with crowds and stuff like that. Like she could transition into Hollywood very easily if she wanted to do that. Wes has look at this idea. You you just projecting that. I mean, I just I like it, it there. I don't know. She's on she's on bags of chips when you go to the grocery store. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean it is. Like she's got she's got that brand and name recognition, and I, I like how you said it, Wes. Like face of face of the WNBA, face of of women's college basketball, which is cool and. um a local person from Columbia, 27 years old, and has done all these things so far. And, I mean, i got to say, Wes, we cover, as much as we cover recruiting, this is a great recruiting piece, recruiting pitch for Dawn Staley. will continue to be. She has, according to Chris Wellbaum, an NCAA and WNBA championship, a gold medal, college player of the year, Final Four um, MVP, WNBA MVP, defensive player of the year, and now finals MVP as well. Is that yeah. it? Youngest player ever to have two MVPs, two Defensive Players of the Year, and a final MVP, and one of just seven players all time. Unreal. So, yeah. What do you even add? I mean, you can't. I mean, an unbelievable list of accomplishments, and, yeah, I'm only going to continue to add to that. Um, I don't know. There's nothing to add. It's almost a walk-off. Yeah, it's a mic drop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that uh, I wonder if she like had that prepared. What she said in that little piece that we nah. heard there, because that that was that was good. That's the that's the impromptu acting. That had to be that or scripted acting. That had to be planned. Maybe so. Hey, when you're that successful, I'm gonna win today, and this is what I'm gonna say when I win. So, uh, yeah, shout I think out. They expected it. Absolutely. Shout out to Asia Wilson and the Vegas Aces with their second straight WNBA title. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Thanks so much to Larry Chandler and everyone at Firehouse Subs for allowing us to be out here in Lexington. Have a football Friday tomorrow on the game.